Folks, before we jump into today's highlights, I just have to ask you, do you want to put 50 years of baseball history in your pocket? I know what you're thinking. It's not going to fit, but it really will because it's all in audio format. These are lost pieces of baseball history told to you from baseball cathedrals. They're, they're told to you by icons of the game from Red Barber, Ernie Howell to Harry Carey. I get goosebumps personally listening to these games and even thinking about the interviews and what these players are going to share with me. I know what you're thinking. Is this AI? Are there bots? Is there some magic potion here that are making these things appear? And I'm telling you, they're not. These games are real. They were done by real people at that specific moment in time. All the iconic moments, the interviews, none of it's reproduced, none of it's AI. It's all real, but done again by real people. If you want to check them out, uh, there's a free intro offer. Jump on over to VintageBaseballReflections.com. And there's over 2,500 audio clips and games for you to put in your pocket, take on walks with you, hang around the fireplace and listen, put them on the porch, invite some friends over. However you want to listen, you're going to be able to listen in these amazing moments in baseball history. Use this coupon this day for a special gift at the checkout. May 26, 1959, in Milwaukee on the mound. Harvey Haddock said the Pirates was mowing them down. Welcome to The Daily Rewind. My name's Tom Hannon, and I'm your host. Today's event spans two days, May 26th and 27th. And after I tell you what happened, I'm going to bring you a song about the game from the Baseball Project and an interview from the man Harvey Haddocks. On May 26th, 1959, at County Stadium, Harvey Haddocks of the Pittsburgh Pirates pitches one of the most remarkable games in baseball history. Haddocks hurls 12 perfect innings, retiring the first 36 Milwaukee Braves he faced. His luck slipped away in the bottom of the 13th. Felix Mantilla leads off the frame by hitting a routine ground ball to third baseman Don Hoke. He had so much time but still threw it in the dirt to first baseman Rocky Nelson, who didn't handle the ball, and the perfect game was lost. He was then sacrificed a second by Eddie Matthews. I know, 500 home runs, Hall of Famer, and in today's game it would never happen, but it did happen in this game. Hank Aaron was then intentionally walked to set up a double play, bringing up Joe Adcock. And then Joe Adcock hits the only real mistake Haddock's made for a three-run homer. Then things get a little crazy. Mantilla rounded third and scored. Now, mind you, this is all happening in real time. Mantilla is scoring. Hank Aaron notices he's scoring, touches second base, and then turns around and starts running across the diamond. He knew they only needed one run to win the game. In the meantime, Adcock had run around second base past Aaron, and the umpires ruled that he was out, and so was Aaron. So initially the score was one to nothing. Adcock was credited with the double instead of a home run. But then manager, Pittsburgh Pirate manager Danny Murtaugh argued that Aaron was actually called out before Mantilla crossed the plate. Umpires huddled and ruled that Mantilla was safe and allowed all three runs. 
Mantilia explained, when I crossed the plate, I looked up and saw Aaron crossing the pitcher's mound. Asked if he crossed the plate in time, he said it was close. We were lucky to win the game. What tends to get lost here is Lou Burdett, the winning pitcher for the Braves, also went 13 innings. He did give up 12 hits, but he didn't walk anyone, and he gets a 13-inning shutout for the, for the win. So what does tend to get lost a little bit here is the Braves pitcher pitched 13 innings of shutout baseball as well, and he was Lou Burdett. He did give up 12 hits. He didn't walk anyone and struck out just two batters, and in a great gesture, he calls up Haddocks the next day to congratulate him on his amazing pitching performance. And also on the next day, May 27, 1959, National League President Warren Giles rules that the final score of the near-perfect games thrown by Haddocks should stand at one zip, not three zip. Giles said that when Adcock passed Aaron on the bases after hitting a home run, both runners should have been called out, thereby nullifying the second and third runs. Now, here are two cool facts about this game that you don't hear too often. In an interview Haddocks gave in 1985, he learned that Bob Buell was a pitcher on the Milwaukee Braves at the time. And he said, I stood in center field with the binoculars and we relayed every pitch you threw to the hitters. And they still didn't get a hit. When they knew every pitch was coming, he relayed them off to a catcher to a guy who was sitting next to him with a towel on his shoulder. If it was a fastball, they didn't move it. If it was anything else, they moved the towel. Now, that is an amazing fact from 1959. And in the grandstand was a 24-year-old Alan Bud Selig. I was a great Braves fan in those days, said the former baseball commissioner. It was an amazing night, just a great baseball night, a game you will never forget. It was unbelievable. Now, before I get to the song in the interview, a quick word from our sponsor. And the sponsor, of course, is me. Now, I love bringing you this content. I mean, just to think that Bud Selig was at this game, the Harvey Haddock's game, a historic game. Uh, if you know anything about baseball history, you've heard about this game. But I'm not sure how many of you have heard that Bud Selig was there. I mean, it's just an amazing fact. Um, and I love bringing it to you. But my day job really is a franchise consultant. And what I help people do is get through one of the most stressful things in their life, which is a career transition. People come to me all the time and they just don't know where to get started. They ask me that question, how do I get started in owning a business? And they'll tell me that they, they looked around, but they just couldn't find the right fit. And what I am passionate about is helping people navigate through this enormously stressful and uncertain time to help them find that right fit. I, myself, have gone through many transitions. I've sold 12 businesses, and I know exactly what it means to change your career. Now, if you or anybody you know is going through this type of a significant life change, I would welcome the chance to talk to you and to see if I could help you in any way possible through this transition. My service is 100% free to you, and you can reach me at tom at franchisingconnection.com. You can also go to the website, franchisingconnection.com. You can book a visit there. You can take a free assessment. Or you could email me right from the site at tom at franchisingconnection.com. Like I said, my service is 100% free, and I'd love to see if I could help you get through your career transition. 
Now, on to the interview and this unbelievable song you, you're going to love if you've never heard it. May 26, 1959, in Milwaukee on the map. Harvey Haddock said the pirates was mowing them down. 27 up, 27 gone. Nine innings in the book and not a man had gotten on. Now in history, only 17 have thrown a perfect game. A most exclusive club and a most exalted fame. But after nine, the Pirates, well, they hadn't scored a perfect game. And still, all they had to fit some more. Dave Wells, Dave Cone, Sandy Koufax, Cy Young, Jim Bunnett. Sandy Koufax, Cy Young, Jim Bunny, Tom 
I had just been traded over to Pittsburgh. Well, had you recently that, there? Well, that's to start that season. Yeah, okay. In fact... Uh, so it's only the second month. Of the yes, season. I just... We were all new with Pittsburgh at the time, mm -hmm. and we were in Milwaukee. In fact, early that morning, I got up in Pittsburgh about hmm. 6 o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. and we flew to Milwaukee for a night game here in Milwaukee. Mm -hmm. And on top of it, I had the flu. Oh, no. Yes, I sure did. Well, anyway, we I remember I didn't feel good, but in about the middle of the afternoon, I had a hamburger and a milkshake, and I headed for the ballpark, mm -hmm. not feeling good. I intended to pitch, yeah. no matter what. Yeah. And we got out there, and uh, Danny held the meeting, and uh, before the ball game, of how we were going to hit or pitch and defense against the Milwaukee ball club. Mm -hmm a clubhouse meeting before the game. Well, I'm conducting the meeting, how I'm going to pitch these guys. Mm -hmm. And uh, evidently, I got on the old uh, thing of pitching high and tight and low and away. And I can remember at the end of that meeting, it, it broke it up, Don Hoke spoke up and he said, Harvey said, if you pitch those guys that way, you're going to pitch a no-hitter. <laughs> this was before the ball game now. <laughs> And uh, with that, it broke up the meeting. We all laughed and said, the heck with it, let's go. <laughs> we went out there and got into the ball game. Mm -hmm. And of course... You were against Lou Burdett. Lou Burdett, again, yeah. who's the man that I beat in yeah. my first ball game in the major leagues. Yeah. And we got into the ball game, and of course, I had the no-hitter gone, and there was no doubt about it. I felt lousy. I sucked on uh, throat lozenges the whole ball game, so I wouldn't cough while I was out there on the mound. Mm -hmm. And it was a kind of a rainy, stormy night. You didn't know whether he was going to play. You didn't know whether yeah. he was going to get rained out. There was lightning in the background and everything. It was a weird night. <laughs> and uh, the game kept going on and on, and I knew I had the no-hitter. Yeah. When did you begin to really be conscious of it? Well, I was conscious of it all the way. Yeah. In fact, before that, one time against Philadelphia, I went to the ninth inning with a no-hitter. Wow. And uh, Richie Ashman came up and broke it up for me to, to lead off the ninth inning. Yeah. So I'd been through this thing before. Mm -hmm. And actually, uh, <clears throat> I did not try for the no-hitter. I just kept right on going and just one up, two up, three up and down they went all through till the ninth inning. And I said, I've been this close before. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go for it. Now the score is nothing to nothing, of mm -hmm. course. Mm -hmm. And that was the only inning that ball game that I really went to try to throw a no-hitter. Mm -hmm. And I gave it my all at that time. And you time. did. And you got it. And we got him out in the ninth inning. And, of course, we didn't score. So we keep on going. Yeah. And it was clear in every inning, as I would, from I'd say, from the seventh inning on, every time I'd appear on the field, either going to the mound or to the bat or wherever, mm -hmm. the people would stand and cheer sure. me the hometown. I know it. 
And uh, it made me feel pretty good. Should hope. Uh, that these people, and uh, uh, sometime late in the ball game, I came to bat, and I can remember Lubert or uh, uh, Del Crandall was the catcher, and uh, he says to me, he says, uh, Harvey says, you got a pretty good ball game going. <laughs> he didn't say yeah. the magic word. He That's just right. said that. And of course, yeah, I said, I guess I have. And we kept on going. And every inning, I walk in and out, and there's the big scoreboard right up yeah, there in front of me. In the face. You can see exactly yeah. what's going on. Yeah. Now, of course, it went into the 13th inning. And uh, the first batter up from Milwaukee in the 13th inning was Felix Mantilla. And he hit the most routine ground ball to third base that you could ever want to Don Hoke. He had so much time that he picked the ball up, looked at the seams, and got the ball just right, and threw it in the dirt at first base. And Nelson didn't handle the ball, so the spell was broken with that man right there. The perfect game is broken. Yes, the perfect game. And with it, the spell, but it's still a no-hitter. I didn't know that I had done something nobody else had ever done. Oh, my, yes. I didn't know that. I knew that I had a no-hitter. But I was never a stat man, you know, that worried about stuff like that. I knew that I'd had a no-hitter, but it it did not affect my pitching as far as that's concerned. Mm -hmm. The next man was Eddie Matthews. He sacrificed Mantilla to second base, and I threw Eddie out at first. The next man was Hank Aaron. We walked him intentionally mm-hmm. to set up for a force out or a double play or whatever. And the next man up was uh, Joe Adcock. You had handled him four times. Pretty good, yes. And with the second pitch to him, I got a slider a little bit up and out over the plate. It wasn't a bad pitch. It wasn't a good pitch. It was just a good enough. The joke was good enough, and you have to give him credit. He didn't try to pull the ball. Mm-hmm. He went with it and hit it over the right center field fence as a yeah. right-handed batter. Yeah. Now the score wound up one to nothing. Yeah. Here, somebody on the here is what happened. Felix Mantilla, who was on second base, rounded third and scored. Hank Aaron was on first. He ran down and touched second base and turned around and ran back across the pitcher's mound. He knew they only needed one run to win. In the meantime, Adcock had ran around second base and the umpires ruled that he'd passed Aaron on the bases and that's why the score wound up one to nothing instead of three to nothing. Yep, I know it. But Two years ago, I found out almost the impossible thing. What? uh, Bob Buell was a pitcher on the Milwaukee Braves pitching staff at that time. He said, I stood in center field with the binoculars and relayed every pitch that you threw to the hitters. And they still didn't get a hit, and they knew every pitch was coming. That's incredible. He relayed them off of the catcher to a guy sitting next to him who had a towel on his shoulder. If it was a fastball, they didn't move it. Mm -hmm. If it was anything else, they moved the towel. I can't believe that. Every pitch they knew was coming. Because I've talked to so many guys who have said, we beat so-and-so because... They were, uh, they were calling the pitches, calling the pitches like uh, 
two of them have told me, uh, Joe Sewell and someone else, that in the 1920 World Series against Brooklyn, when Bernie Grimes, the old spitballer, was pitching, um, Johnny Rawlings at second base would always, I believe it was Rawlings, would always reach down and get a handful of dirt if it was going to be a spitter. And they picked that up and they beat him. And years later he told Bernie and says, oh, I knew you were getting something. <laughs> anyway, I listened to that whole game of yours um, and uh, it was a thrill, I tell you, to listen to it. And it was a sad moment when that ball went over the fence because your guys had lots of chances to win it. I think you got 13 hits. 12, 12 hits, I think we had, yes. Off of Burdett. Were there any um, close plays there? I mean, did you, was anybody thrown out at the plate that could have been the winning run? There? Uh, there was a base running mistake made by Roman Mejias. I think he was on first base and a base hit, and he hesitated rounding second base, going to third, and I think he got thrown out. Yeah. But the biggest thing is, remember I told you it was a stormy night? Yeah. Bob Skinner hit a ball in the right field. It was out of the ballpark. Henry Aaron went back to the fence and stood there and put his hands down. A gust of wind came up and blew it back in the ballpark, and Aaron caught it. Oh, for goodness sake. Yes. But the strangest thing of all to me, there was only about two real tough plays uh, from our side. I think it was Johnny Logan hit a real hot scooter at Dick Schofield at shortstop. Though Schofield was playing shortstop and Dick wrote wasn't. I do not know at this time why. Mm -hmm. And I'll tell you another man was missing from our lineup at that time and I didn't realize it until later. Roberto Clemente did not play in that ball game. That could have made a difference. It sure could have. Mm -hmm. Well anyway, I think there was a, a ball hit pretty well to center field that Bill Burton hauled down easily. There was no trouble. And I think there was a line drive by uh, Matthews to Rocky Nelson at first base. All the rest of them were the most routine. routine. There was no running, diving catches or nothing. It seemed so easy some nights. <laughs> Isn't that so? <laughs> yeah. And you can uh, see because there, there are guys who... Um, well, didn't even belong in the major leagues practically, who on a certain day pitched a no-hitter. Bobo yeah. Holloman, for instance, and it was like that. I think he pitched a no-hitter the first ball game first he pitched game he in. Yeah. Yeah. He practically yes. didn't win another game. <laughs> Two or three more ball games after yeah. that, I believe. Well, that was a great moment, and it's one that uh, will remain in baseball history, uh, Harvey. Somebody might someday pitch 13 or more score, uh, hitless innings or perfect innings, but hasn't happened yet. Well, it's just one of those things, the situation has to be right. Usually yep. a team has uh, a run or so or something, yep. and so the opportunity has to be there for the fellow yep. to be able to it'll do be, it. It'll be very rare to have a, a scoreless game into the 13th, 14th inning. It's happened, of course. Yes. Johnny Vandermeer tells me that in his two, say, two straight no-hitters, there were only in, in the two games together, there were only about two plays that were uh, really tough and close. One, he knocked down a liner and chased it and Dude. just got it to first base in time. But mm -hmm. uh, those things just happen sometimes. That's what makes our game of baseball oh, so great. Sure. You never know what can happen. All right. I hope you enjoyed the song, and I hope you enjoyed the interview. I've linked to both. In the show notes, the song is from The Baseball Project, and the singer is Steve Wynn. And 
He's got, there's a, a dozen songs on there, including Ted Effing Williams. Uh, and I, I strongly urge you to check them out. Uh, you might want to add them to your playlist on your, uh, while you're doing your runs or your walks or your chores or whatever, uh, whenever you listen to music or uh, podcasts. And I've also linked to um, the interview, the full interview that was an hour and 15 minutes from Harvey Haddock's. You can find that uh, on the Sabre website. Uh, that's a great resource for baseball fans. I would uh, also uh, strongly recommend uh, checking it out and maybe becoming a member and helping them in their cause, uh, bringing back baseball history. And that's it for today's show. And as always, you can check out thisdayinbaseball.com. May 26th and May 27th are full of historical events, birthdays, debuts, final games played, and passings. You can also review Joe Adcock's page, Hank Aaron's page, Harvey Haddix's page. Follow any of the links below in the show notes and just go to thisdayinbaseball.com. And as always, if you can give us a thumbs up, you can share the show, write a review. Everything helps to get this show found, and we really appreciate it. And as always, be safe out there, and I hope to see you at a ballpark very soon.